A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing parking problems in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up. Yes, let us do it. Mm. So this is a topic that I think both of us will be familiar with and is in actuality a problem that I had today. Okay. And the topic is cheat days. Mm. Yeah, I am extremely familiar with those. Uh, Probably far more than my diet plan actually allows for. Um, but yeah, I am very familiar with cheat days. Yeah, I, today was the first one that I've had in, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say a couple of months, I think. Oh, you're doing well. That, that is a lot of self-control, Frank. Yeah, and I sort of, today was like, you know, I, I'm gonna, like, I'm, I'm gonna plan it. It wasn't one of those things where I was like, fuck it, I ate a Snickers. Today is a cheat day. I I woke up and before I had anything to eat, I was like, you know what? Let's do this today. I'm feeling attacked by that Snickers comment because <laughs> that's normally how some of mine start. It's like, God, oh, fuck. I it's 11 a.m. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to have a Snickers. <laughs> Damn it. Some sometimes you just wake up and the first thing you do is you stick a candy bar in your face. You don't even like your eyes aren't open yet. <laughs> You're like a newborn kitten. I mean, it's especially around like Halloween where there's like little, you know, small candy bars just lying around. And, uh, I mean, occasionally, sometimes they just end up by the nightstand and you reach over to turn off your alarm and you touch the little fun size Snickers and, um, the rest of the day writes itself. They call them fun sized, but they're really shame sized, I think. Yeah. There's yeah, just enough to that. make you feel bad about yourself. Like, you look at the <laughs> steadily growing mound of little wrappers. Like, if you just had one, sure. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, like, the little bitty ones, like, the, the ones that are, like, an inch square, like, those, you can have one and you can kind of convince yourself, okay, like, I didn't really blow the entire diet with this. Like, I can I can just kind of ease off the rest of the day and we'll forget about that one little slip up. Um but yeah, once you have that fun size, which is is roughly probably like two and a half times uh, the other ones, uh, yeah, then you know you done you done goofed. You have yeah. you have blown the diet. And uh, you know one thing that that gets to me about you know an an impromptu cheat day is that I think the biology doesn't necessarily like back it up that if you eat like one Snickers, you should just say fuck it for the rest of the day. Like, I think, <laughs> I think there is some amount of like, even if you had a Snickers and your diet 
day isn't going to be perfect, you should still make other ba- other good choices. Uh, that's not oh, how yeah. I see yeah. it, though. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Psychologically, you're like, mm, well, guess I done fell off the wagon. Gonna have to roll around in the poo for a while. <laughs> I mean, you come into the office and you see, like, the box of donuts sitting there and you're like, well, this day is fucked. <laughs> in in more than one way. In both a diet perspective and, like, a general productivity. Because anytime I have donuts, I I am not useful for the rest of the day. Oh, man. Today... Today has been like I broke bad, Derek. <laughs> I when went to it, Shake right. Shack. Oh, baby. Yeah. And I ate Shake Shack. <laughs> like there's oh. no Shake Shack left for anybody else, Derek. <laughs> now, now how bad of sins are we talking at Shake Shack? Like did you get like the single burger, the double, or did you get like that monstrosity that uh, is a burger with a fried mushroom on top of it, with cheese inside. Why well, you got to call it a monstrosity, Derek? <laughs> uh, I did. I did. I just answer my own question. Well, there was that, and then there was half a hot dog, uh, uh-huh. and then there was some. Uh, did you get the cheese, cheese fries? fries oh, with meat man. on top! Wow, and, and a concrete. Oh, baby. Man. Oh, you were looking to undo a lot. It was, like, I will go ahead and say, I I was too hungry when I went in. Like, I was no longer a functional human being by the time we got in there, because I had woke up, and and actually, my original plan was we would go to Shake Shack for lunch, but earlier we would go buy Hero Donut. Right. To kind of stave off some of the hunger with other bad things. With other bad things. Right. Like, so I was, I was going to get one of those hero donuts because they, like, it's a local one. There's only one. Nobody else can have any, uh, of the hero donut shop. But when we got there, like the line was enormous. We waited Uh for a while, got close to the counter and realized there was nothing there that really called right other than like you they probably had like some of their standard glazed donuts which are still like they're still oh, yeah they're fucking amazing but like my soul wanted one of their boston cream donuts oh, those boston cream motherfuckers are just to die for yeah um, man i and i was like <laughs> well they don't have one of those and i guess i could get something else and at that point you know i i was kind of like Nah, I'm getting a donut just because I said I was going to get a donut, and that's kind of an <laughs> asinine thing to do. A little bit. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Prue Leith from uh, Great British Bake Off says, not worth the calories. Exactly. <laughs> so we left, but then like I had just miscalculated, and, and by the time we got to Shake Shack, I was no longer a functional human being. I was going to like eat the people at Shake Shack. Right, and this is a new Shake Shack. Like, this has only been open for, what, like, two weeks, three weeks, maybe? And people are fucking nuts about it. Um, oh, yeah. And good, like, And for good reason. Like, it's the first one we've had in the area. And, uh, you know, we've had, like, Whataburgers and, um, like, Freddy's and Steak and Shake and stuff like that. So we have some burger places, but not ones that, like, do it like this. And, yeah, people have been going apeshit for Shake Shack. Oh, yeah. As a concept, I mean, 
burgers and uh, thick custards and stuff like that. Like we've already got folks that are doing it, but Shake Shack sort right. of holds a special place. And and that was sort of that more than anything else. But yeah, like it's in the bougie part of town. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> and so everybody was there. And so it was taking four fucking ever. And, and at that point it was like, I have one of those and I have one of those. That sounds good too. Maybe one I, of them. I mean, you didn't, I, I will say you didn't take the, uh, the ludicrousness all the way up to maximum. Uh, you got the cheese fries, but they did have the one step above, which was like the Bob Gibson's pulled pork cheese fries. Uh, so I'm not like, like you cranked it up to 11, but you didn't quite rip the knob off. So <laughs> yeah, I did. There was, there was meat on them fries, Derek. Oh man. I had the pulled park cheese fry. So do you want me to like estimate the calorie intake that you just like put into your body? Oh, no, okay. I, would you I don't like, want to know. Would you like me to? Would you like me to obfuscate it by the amount of days worth of calories you just had? <laughs> no, I, I'm fairly certain that like my one meal at Shake Shack today should keep me fed for the winter. Like yeah. it's just the one that I'm gonna have. Like that was it, and now I go into hibernation, and you guys won't see to- me again until spring. I was about to say, like, you know, no shit, two more of those, and you probably can just go into a cave and survive till spring. So, <laughs> but, but, I, okay. So, was it worth it? All things considered, was it worth it? You know, that's, that's kind of the thing. I, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I definitely, one, it was a mistake to, to allow myself to get to the state that I was. It's just, I'm so used to, I've been out of the game and, and the game here being eating like a trash person. Right. (laughs) That I, I forget that it's like Saturday midday, everybody else is out eating the trash food. And if I'm going to get that new good trash food, then I'm going to have to wait in line. And so I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't plan ahead. And it was, you know, afternoon, I hadn't eaten yet. My blood sugar was getting a little bit in the low zone. And when, right, I will go ahead and say when, when the sugar gets down below a certain level, my Uh cognitive function goes from erudite human being to monstrous cave beast. And like, I I just cannot handle people. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's, there's one time where I think, I forget what restaurant it was, but, uh, Jessica and I had been, uh, I think we may maybe on vacation or something, but I was, I was fucking starving when we walked in and it was already busy and we had to wait like 30 minutes. So we sit down at the, at the table finally, and, you know, we order the food and the appetizer and, you know, they're being pretty slow about it. Like, I think we didn't see food for like 30 minutes after that. So I was already mad. We're we're fast forwarding an hour and I'm still like I am starting to lose, like you said, cognitive function. Like I'm starting to to revert back to primal instincts. They they did bring some food before I like leapt upon a pack of, of you know wild French fries that were wandering past. Um but here's the kicker. When they brought food, they brought my wife's first. 
and and then they walked away and i'm like and and you know i didn't say anything right then because okay maybe they're going back to get it i wait five minutes and you know oh, i'm not no. gonna i'm not gonna sit there and let and let my wife like have food in front of her not eat like that's 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 I don't think it's rude to eat in front of other people. Um, so, you know, I'm going to say, just go ahead and eat. And I regretted that decision because, you know, she was eating and I was watching her eat and, and dying inside. And so I finally flagged down the waitress and I was like, hey, you know, is my food coming? She's like, hold on a second. They had lost my half of the ticket somehow. And they hadn't oh, put in any food for me. No. So... It took an additional 30 minutes for me to get food. And when I say that was one of the worst days of my life, it's really not exaggerating. Um, because, like, when Derek sees food, Derek wants food. And, like, uh, <laughs> this was, it was awful. Yeah, I, I was I was very close to just, like, running out and finding some, you know, wild animal and, you know, consuming it in the parking lot. But, um no, I, I understand completely that, you know, once you get over that certain threshold, it becomes, you know, you revert back to caveman instincts. Oh, I had, I had completely forgotten up until this point, while I was waiting for the food to arrive, there was actually someone from my team that I work with now who was really? there. <laughs> who who had who had called out my name several times and I turned to him with, with, with bloodshot eyes. eyes. <laughs> and I'm fairly certain he recognized within my face that I was seeing him, but then at the same time it was that Looney Tunes Mirage shimmer and now right. he's just a walking talking roast chicken. <laughs> And he cut the conversation short and backed slowly away. Oh, oh my God. That is beautiful. Um, but, but I, so I've been sandbagging you a little bit, um, because I, I did not say previously, I also went to Shake Shack today. <laughs> uh, it wasn't you, was it? No, it was Okay. <laughs> not to my, not to my memory. Um, but, but the, the. Not going to say funny part. You know, you hadn't eaten before, and you were starving when you got there, and you made bad decisions. Me, we decided to get Shake Shack after already having had lunch, and decided I could do that again. <laughs> so, Did you have you had elevensies? We we had elevensies, but the thing was, like, it was at a it was at a bar, or it was at a it was at an Irish pub. And they were doing uh, like a special thing today. I don't know. It was like it was like halfway to St. Patty's Day or something. And we we go in and we expect to order our normal like Irish bar food, which is filling heavy. Like that's what we wanted. We had been, you know, we had been dieting all week. We're like, fuck it, let's just get let's just get some heavy Irish bar food. Um, but they have a special menu, and apparently their special menu means fifty percent more expensive. And 50% less food. And oh, so yeah. that's how special menus work. When they brought out that platter with two lonely sausages, no longer than my pinky, um, Derek about o almost had a high speed come apart because I was like, Derek hungry. 
Derek wants meat. <laughs> I want meat. <laughs> oh God, no! So we we finished that, and uh, so it was still like forty dollars. Like we we were not even half full. We spent forty bucks, and so as soon as we got in the car, I'm like, I'm going to fucking Shake Shack. <laughs> Don't care. So so I I am sorry. That you had such a harrowing experience, but but now you have tried half the menu, and uh, <laughs> now you know what you like there. Well, I mean, I wasn't alone, so the other half of the menu did get ordered, and I probably did eat a decent amount. Yeah, some of, that. of it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got a, I got a good sampling. I now know what is what we've got at the Shake Shack, and at the end of the day, the burger and the concrete. That was the best stuff. So now you know. <laughs> Want to get to the deep dive? Yeah, let's do that. Um, and this may be somewhat relevant because uh, today in the deep dive, we're discussing parking problems. And a great way to work off some extra calories is to work in an office where you have to park a hundred miles away and, and walk into the office. Uh, one of the m- more often overlooked aspects of office life is the parking situation at your place of work. Some offices offer parking right next to the building in which you work. Others come standard with a decent hump from the, your car to the front door. <laughs> so I, I think there's some bunk science that says that if you park far away and you walk from your car into work or the supermarket or wherever um, that you will be healthier or something, burn some extra calories. Crankier, yes. Crankier, absolutely. Frank, what is it, What is your experience with uh, with parking situations at the office? It's it's an interesting one. Um, in as much as we have both worked uh, in two of the same places. Mm-hmm. And the parking situation in each of those offices is relatively unique. Right. So the the office that we work at now, the building is essentially built into a hillside uh, or the parking lot is. And so it's terraced. Uh, it's you've got, you know, one one band of of spots and then it's a terrace level down like a, a step pyramid. Right. And. When I used to work there years ago, before I bought the house that I own now, and the house that I own now is atop what I like to call fuck you hill. Because if I ever have to walk up that hill, that is what I say. (laughs) And then I've also got approximately 3,876 steps between the base level and where you actually go into the living area mm-hmm. and i've walked that step those steps uh once a week for like the last year and a half two years and every single time even after starting my workout regimen i get to the top and i'm like fuck these stairs this oh is yeah some, this is some bullshit <laughs> so when i first worked at that office i looked at that terraced parking lot and uh-huh. all the steps that you have to take. And I was like, nah, y'all can go fuck yourselves as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. And right. I parked way off to the side where it was more of a gentle rolling slope. Right. 
where, where it's less about like walking up and down steps or or hills or whatnot like the the lateral distance is probably a, a decent amount further but i think the overall exertion is less <laughs> yeah i mean you're you're physically farther away but you have less in the way of a vertical uh delta right and but now after i've lived in this house for three four years or whatever i uh i actually have started parking on the terraced area oh. because that the number of steps involved there they ain't shit to me like <laughs> i walk that number of steps pretty much every single day multiple times and right now yeah i don't even notice it nice that that is some decent personal growth i'm proud of you frank <laughs> now when when we worked at the other office that we shared which was uh, if people have can remember we we've talked about that office it's uh, literally built in in some mountains abutting a, a state park right and it is like taking a nature hike after you park <laughs> your fucking car to get to the office right and the thing is you know one of the things about like having a bad parking situation. Um, and when I say bad parking, I, I think that I would consider, uh, you know, parking situations where either, you know, there aren't a very limited number and, you know, the, the choice or the, the difference between getting a good spot and getting a bad spot is extreme. You know, those, those things can be, um, very, the, the parking spots can be very highly sought after. Um, and it, it, it builds like a weird mindset uh, whenever you have you know, spaces or, or you have uh, workplaces that have really bad parking, because just to get in the building, people are having to compete in essence. Um, you know, whenever I worked back at the university, you know, we had uh, th there, there were a couple of transitions. Like when I first started working there, you could park near the building and then, you know, we you know, they, they changed some, some things around, they removed some parking and then you had to park a little further away. And then by the third act, uh, you had to park, I mean, no shit, a quarter of a mile away from the building in which we worked. And that was the only place you could park that, that middle ground, I think was the worst because there were good parking spots, but they were so hotly contested that what you had is about eight o'clock in the morning. It was fucking literal mad max like it was people <laughs> riding on the fucking hoods of their cars like just chucking spears at each other to get to to get one of those parking spots in the good lot because like i said the difference between you know getting that spot in the good lot versus you know having to defend for yourself in the parking deck was a quarter of a mile difference and i mean that you know, for like relatively fit people or people that can probably jog that quickly and not show up looking like they ran a marathon or, you know, just took a, you know, took a shower in gross water. Um, you know, maybe that doesn't sound like a huge difference. Um, but also it's a timing thing because I am punctual, but I don't bake in a lot of extra time. So I will do my best to be on time for everything. But if like, normally if one thing goes wrong, I'm fine. If two things go wrong, I'm going to be late for something. And, you know, when you have to, to factor in, okay, I've got a meeting at nine and parking is a complete shit show starting at eight 30. 
and you know, I normally show up about eight eight forty five. Like I know I'm going to have to get lucky in order to <laughs> to make it into that meeting on time. And so you have the situation where you are literally circling the parking lot looking for somebody that's going on a Chick-fil-A run. And I'm not shitting you. <laughs> that is that is literally what I would do every day. There was one guy that every morning at 9 at no like 8:55 he would walk out, he would get in his car and he would go, you know, grab some Chick-fil-A. And Everybody in that fucking building that showed up after 8.30 knew that guy by sight, by name, and by vehicle. Because the second he was on the move, people in their cars waiting for parking parking spots started getting texts saying, he's on the move. <laughs> so you would have co- coordinated efforts to get, you know, the maybe they're waiting in a they're about to have a meeting with somebody and they know that they need them to be on time. And they say, Hey, he's coming, (laughs) go get his parking spot. So you can not be late to this fucking meeting. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know at the other office, um, where, where you ended up having to take the nature hike. Like Mm -hmm. there were some, uh, there were some spots that were fairly close and none of them were really close, but right because of the long, long nature of the lot, like it was just one set of, you know, it wasn't multiple rows. It was just one really, really long row for the most part. Right. And, and there was a definite sort of pecking order as to, you, you know, the guys that get in at seven or seven thirty because they've got all the good spots. Right. And when you would leave the office at a regular getting off time, all those spots are open because those guys left the office at like three thirty or four. Right. So it was, it was a very definite, like there was a, a delineation based on when people got to the office. And so it was always nice when I did get to the office later. Like I usually got to the office at a pretty standard time, but when I did go to the office later and one of those guys had like arrived, but then had to leave to go to a dentist (laughs) appointment or something like that, it was always so beautiful. Does that, I mean, I'm not trying to belittle other wonderful experiences, but I mean, that's gotta be like the closest you can get to like experiencing the joy of your child being born but on a daily basis that doesn't require participation from, <laughs> from others. Um, it is such a nice feeling to, to like pull into the parking, to pull into a parking lot, you know, will be contested and to just have the fucking, the, the red sea just parts and you get a good spot because the, the thing is like, of, of course there's some like, I don't want to, I don't want to be too far from the door because I don't want to walk that far. Or it's going to be a, a decent hike. Um, and I just don't want to be out of breath if I have to go up a hill. But the thing is, sometimes, sometimes it's raining and when there is inclement weather and you have to fucking walk like a quarter mile to your car, um, that fucking sucks because you're looking, you know, you're looking out the window, seeing the rain, just pouring cats and dogs. And, uh, you know that you've got really expensive electronics that you don't want to replace the next day. Um, it's a bad situation. Uh, the other, the other thing about having that, that close spot, at least for me is the sort of 
social signifier because only the good people who get there early get to have That's the close a good spots. Point. And so when right. you leave the at the end of the day and you're leaving at a normal time <laughs> and everybody else has to hike uh, to the far edge of the 100-acre wood, but they see you stop and they're right. like, oh, no, Frank, Frank left late, but he got the good got here early. <laughs> he must have got here early. That guy's a go-getter. That, that is a psychological unintended consequence, but it does feel fantastic because you're sitting there and, and sometimes you'll show off and you know some people are about to leave. So you'll kind of be uh, at your car in one of those, you know, really awesome spots, just kind of like outside, just kind of twirling your keys a little bit, just, just showboating. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I will say there is a caveat to having a really close parking situation. Uh, I've, I've worked in a couple places where, you know, you could pretty much like walk, I don't know, you know, 50 feet and be inside the building. Well, I worked in a, in an office where I literally parked 50 feet from like basically my chair. So, you know, you, you pull right up to the building and you walk in and you're, you're in your office basically. Um, the problem with that and, and why I feel there is like a happy medium and there, there are some situations that are too close is that sometimes you don't necessarily like have time to, uh, let's say you have like 15 minutes and you've got to eat really quickly. Um, you run out, grab your food, come back. Oh no. And then you're shame eating where every can, everybody can you see you as they walk in. You're horking down that, that Subway sandwich or Arby's uh, in the car. And Got that beef and through. cheddar sauce all over your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're, you're halfway through, and you look up, and you realize you had an audience. Um, that's, that's a real bad scene. And, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not particularly self-conscious about, about the way that I eat, because I'm not like... I'm not like eating every sandwich like it's the last sandwich I will ever eat. But at the same time, nobody needs to see that. Like, I mean, I'm a fat just... guy, so I'm cognizant of the optics. Like, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, maybe I this is the only meal I've had and it is 2 p.m. Right. If anybody sees me just like stuffing <laughs> down on a Big Mac... They're just going to be like, yep, there he is. <laughs> yep. I always knew it. And I'm like, no, I, I hadn't eaten today. I was, uh, never mind. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't eaten in three days. I've been saving it up for this Big Mac that I'm allowed to have once a week. <laughs> but they don't know. They don't know your story, Frank. They don't. They don't know. And, <laughs> and, but they're going to judge me anyway, aren't they? They are. Want to go to an audience question? Um, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I have a great job that I love, but Braggart. there is a lady that sits in the next cube that is never happy with anything, and it gets old. I tell her what a great company we work for, that change is inevitable, and that computer software does need to be upgraded periodically, etc., but she still harps about every little thing ad nauseum. She's a very nice lady, usually, and cares so much about others, I wonder if she just doesn't want to work. Any suggestions on how to get her to stop her constant complaining, 
without hurting her feelings. Tired in Trenton. Let me start by saying I cannot believe that somebody who is complaining, you you went up to them and told them things ain't so bad, this is the way of the world, things be a changin', and they didn't perk up. I don't believe that. <laughs> that has literally never not worked. Like <laughs> So, okay. So uh not being uh not being a patronizing asshole, um I, I think that was a wrong approach. You can tell them that, but until they see it, you're gonna have a bad time. I I think this is this is happening more and more now. Like that's that's a stupid thing to say. Because no matter what like time period anybody has ever worked, like there there have been things like this where, you know, essentially people are not necessarily maybe replaced by technology or just being their jobs being enhanced by technology and it causes some friction. Um, that shit's been happening since the industrial revolution. So, um, and, and before that, like the caveman where one of his buddies came up with a wheel made out of rock was like this motherfucker over here. So I, I think that somebody needs to write a book about how to get people up on the times and, and help them embrace change. Why has nobody done that, Frank? <laughs> I have an idea for a new book, Derek. Okay. <laughs> it's about how It'll to embrace change and get with the times. That's going to be a bestseller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's my thought. During 4th of July, stock up. During New Year's, stock up. And then throughout the year, you can just sort of slowly introduce fun and excitement. Like, if she's droning on about how terrible everything is, you can pull out one of those New Year's poppers and just right in her face. (laughs) What? With the little streamers and stuff and the confetti that comes out. (laughs) For what purpose? To just liven things up. I mean, she sounds like a super bummer. She starts complaining I mean, to someone else and you just slowly rise up behind her <laughs> over the side of the cube wall and then blow your kazoo. <laughs> oh, th- this took a far more um, slapstick or <laughs> ridiculous angle than I thought we were going to. I mean, I, I get that, but like, I think that... You, you have some of the ramifications. Like, I think the kazoo is probably the better option here. Or maybe one of those little, uh, what, what are they, little uh, party blowers or whatever um, that, like, roll out and come back in when you stop. Those may be better, but I think that having, like, those little, little party poppers, because they're, they're basically, like, you know, little bits of gunpowder that, like, pop off. And, you know, they have all these little streamers, and, you know, it produces that, that smell, which, I mean... Frankly, like even even as a kid, like I loved that smell of like, you know, exploding like firecrackers or um, gunpowder and shit. Like I don't I don't know. Um, so that would be a positive thing for me. Like that would almost be like air freshener. So it would liven things up, though, wouldn't it, Derek? I mean, it would. <laughs> I mean, I mean every they- day Deborah has one of those oat bran and flaxseed muffins, which are kind of depressing on their own. Mm-hmm. But you liven it up with a sparkler. <laughs> and then it's like Deborah's birthday every day. 
I, I'd like to say that you probably you probably should warn her before you do it, though, because I feel that like I mean, I, I guess she would have to be really oblivious to not notice a uh, a large, you know, <laughs> phosphorescent firework in her brand muffin. It's like a little celebration cake, Derek. <laughs> so backing up more more generally, like it is it is tough dealing with uh with complainers that it, it's it's a resistance to change. Like people don't like it when things around them change. Um you know, I think all of us dislike that to some extent, but um you know, some of these folks that it doesn't even really have to do with age. Like I, I know a couple of guys that I used to work with that, that liked a particular um, you know, coding language. Coding languages are kind of in a class of their own as far as like the speed at which things <laughs> become outdated. Because like with most of the shit that comes out, like, okay, you download the new release package, you build your project with it, and before it's done building, like they put out the next one. So I, I can see that being um, somewhat valid. It's like, come on, stop, stop changing it. Like minute to minute, like at least give me like a week before, uh, before you change something else. But no, every office is going to have the the folks that just don't like things to be different because honestly, it's, it's about comfort and it's about the fact that, um, some people know how to do their job in a very particular way. And then once you change that, all their skill sets go away and that leaves people feeling very vulnerable and that that sucks and maybe it makes them feel obsolete i mean it probably does all right derek so next thought we take a page from the netflix original sanrio property agretsuko okay and just death metal scream right in her face i'm not saying that's a bad idea (laughs) what what are we doing it for are we are we trying to perk her up or punish her i mean little column a little column b derek (laughs) okay i'm i'm for that although it depends on how frequently she is negative like if she is negative multiple times a day i feel that could be hard on your vocal cords so so instead of uh you taking it upon yourself to do it i think that it needs to be an, an entire team of people that take turns um, being on the lookout and you know, maybe they have some sort of like code word or maybe they have some sort of like app on their phone that, <laughs> that it's a, uh, it's a Janet watch. And anytime she's being negative, somebody you know, sends up the, the signal and, uh, whoever's turn it is, will <laughs> will have to come and, and yell in her face. That seems reasonable. I mean, if we're getting other people involved, Derek, I think at that point, let's just go ahead and turn it into. Ad hoc musical numbers. See, that speaks to me on a much deeper level than the rest of it. So much so that I'm having trouble saying something funny about it. Because now I'm thinking all the musical numbers that I would love to do with my coworkers. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Trouble. Trouble from the Music Man can go fuck itself. One of the most embarrassing moments in my life, like, Bar none, probably the most embarrassed I've ever been in my life is, uh, yeah, when I was a senior in high school, I was in musical theater and I was in the music man. I was Harold Hill, the, the main guy. Um, cause, and it was kind of like a process of defaults 
because I, or, or process of elimination, like I, I was the only guy that could actually like sing somewhat. So <laughs> I kind of got the lead roles in most of the, the productions, but you know, trouble is from these, from the music man is a patter song. And if you can't tell by the last mm, 30 some odd episodes, sometimes my speaking cadence and my ability to recall words and say words, not the best. Uh, so a patter song is like, <laughs> it's like my fucking Achilles heel. Well, the first time we did it, uh, or the, the first time we, we performed it, nailed it. No big deal. Second time, I I got about a third of the way through and got to one of the more complicated parts and the rest of the words just fucking left me. And it was, it was horrendous because like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't prep my, my arsenic, uh, pill that morning. So I couldn't just like die on stage like I wanted to. <laughs> and so essentially like it was me walking around on stage just looking at the other people. Cause it's not a solo song. Like, there are like 35 other people on stage during this song, all looking at me, just trying to will me to remember the fucking words. And so like it, I mean, it felt like 10 minutes, like literally it felt to me like I'd been walking and pacing on the stage for 10 minutes, trying to recall these fucking words. But, uh, but in reality it was probably only like 15, 20 seconds, which is still a long fucking time for like, somebody just be jauntily on the piano like like just waiting vamping (laughs) until i remember something so i will not be performing trouble in the office with any of my my office mates but anything else like you know west side story we're good rent i am fucking for that um especially the parts that like uh i think it's la vie bohème which is about like has a lot of like masturbation and stuff in it, which is hilarious. So that could be good until HR gets involved. You realize um, what you've done, Derek. What is that? In response to the question about someone complaining, you started complaining. Hmm. I think deeper. we're going to have to go to the issue from the internet. <laughs> All right. So today for the issue from the internet, it is by. User, Kyer Deal. What is his deal? I don't know. And it's not even spelled D-E-A-L. It's like K-I-R-E-D-E-E-L. I have no justification for why it's spelled like that. I think my boss is upset. I dress nicely today. <laughs> uh, I'm an <laughs> IT technician and work out of an office. When I was hired over a year ago, They said that most people usually wear business casual attire, so I normally would wear polo shirts, long sleeve shirts, sweater-like, non-button, v-neck sweaters, and even occasionally a plain old sweatshirt. And I would normally wear a pair of slim black jeans every day. So I recently bought a stack of new button-up long sleeve shirts, white, blue, and red. I don't necessarily think the color is super important. A new pair of business slash dress pants, dark gray, and a tie. I decided I would try to start dressing a little nicer to work to show my seriousness for the job. Yesterday, I wore wore the dark blue shirt and dress pants, and no one said anything. Today, I wore the white long-sleeve shirt, dress pants, and the tie, 
And my boss came in and gave me the, the deer in the headlight stare and asked, do you have an interview today? And I stared back for five seconds and just said, um, no, I don't. Do you? I could, I could just tell she was upset in some way, but she didn't take me away to talk about it or say I couldn't wear it. The head of IT actually complimented my attire. The one thing I will note is that some men in the company wear ties, dress pants, shirts, etc., and some don't. Same with the women. Not everyone wears business casual. What I want to know is, should I keep trying to dress nicer for this from this point forward, or say screw it, and go back to basically dressing like myself from uh, like I was before? I still want to dress business casual from time to time, but I also think it's nice to dress nicer with a tie occasionally. I was getting a ton of compliments today from people in other departments, and I really don't feel I dressed out of place. So this person, they essentially, you know, they, they dress okay most of the time, if fairly business casual, but then one day they come in in what would be considered uh, traditional interview attire, and it drew some attention. Well, yeah, I mean, they're signaling that they're looking for another job. Right. Like, every spring, the birds and many other animals, they put on... Their mating plumage <laughs> to signify that they're looking for a new mate. And that's okay. essentially what we did here. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm not going to say you're wrong. <laughs> Just saying. Like, there's a certain level of expected couture going on. Okay. And if you rise above and maintain. Over that level, you're going to make everybody else look bad wearing what they've always worn. So I, I think that is legitimately uh, something that goes on and, and, a, and something that crosses people's mind when it comes to um, other, the way other people dress. Because typically for me, like I, I'm going to wear you know, what is expected. I'm going to try to not look slouchy. I'm going to try, I mean, and maybe this is kind of a, a more recent trend, like in the last like two or three years. But I'm going to try to wear something that that makes me look, you know, <laughs> presentable. Um, and I'm not necessarily caring what other people are wearing. But I have been in conversations before where, you know, somebody will start like dressing sharper, will start um, <laughs> grooming better. Uh, they, they start getting like tighter on their lunch periods. Like they start like doing a lot of other things, um, like really well, like like really going out of their way to be. I mean, you know, kind of be a, a boss's teacher pet, teacher's pet type of thing. And people feel wildly threatened by any of those things because, you know, by and large, un as long as everybody else is doing a certain thing, nobody is going to get in trouble for doing a certain thing. So if, if everybody's being kind of slouchy in their dress, nobody's getting in trouble for it. But once people start showing, uh, you know, maybe like a new person comes in and, uh, you know, they're, they're dressing like truly business casual, uh, or, or in true business attire and they look sharp as fuck and everybody else just looks like fucking cave trolls by comparison. Uh, upper management will take notice and they'll be like, you know what? We don't adhere to the dress policy enough. And then that new person will fuck it up for everybody. There was an old science, uh, or, or like an, I don't know if it was a science experiment or an adage or what, but essentially it's like, you know, uh, they take monkeys, put them in a room and every time they try to climb a ladder, they'd, uh, you know, shock them. They'd shock all the monkeys. And, uh, 
essentially they would they would replace the monkeys every so often so there were always new monkeys coming in and you know after a few iterations of this like they had swapped out all the old monkeys but still like every time one monkey would try like the, a new monkey would try to climb the ladder you know those monkeys knew they were going to get shocked so they basically pulled everybody down same thing with this like and and I've done this before like if somebody uh, starts working in, in an office and you know we do normally like casual dress uh they come in in like a fucking tie and button down and super clean you know super pressed slacks and super nice shoes i'll take kind of take a take a moment on the first day and be like if you like dressing like that that's cool but uh you know you don't have to dress I don't like that. you, you can... fucking it up for the rest of us new guy pretty much i i don't i don't say exactly that but you know, in a, in a as kind of way as I can, I encourage them. You know, dress it down a little bit. Don't don't make the rest of us guys that are trying to do the best we can with the with the meager materials we have at our disposal. Uh, don't make us look like schmucks. It's it's interesting. I realize that at the the new job, I uh, I haven't worn jeans. You son of a bitch. <laughs> You trying to show me up? <laughs> I got I got a couple of blazers, Derek. Gonna start wearing those blazers to the office. Please no. I don't. You know, <laughs> a rising tide raises all all ships. Sure, but I believe our motto, our motto here, right? The, the nail, the nail that sticks out will be hammered down. But no, I you know I've I've had a situation like uh, you know what this person is describing. Um, one of my friends, he was kind of an odd guy. Like he would kind of just have like fits of fancy, um, and just get into things just, and like wildly into things, uh, for no good reason. And one day, you know, he's a single guy, like didn't, you know, he, he loved his job. Like he had no intention of leaving, um, had no weddings or anything to, to, to dress up for, but he decided to go and buy like a really nice, like three-piece suit and he wore that fucker to the office like every month or so and every single day like people got worried because he was he was a he was a a cornerstone of of the development department and if he left like things were going to to catch on fire and fall into the ocean and so people would start like panicking and he's like guys i'm not trying to leave I just think I look fly as fuck in this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're not wrong. Like, you look good, but you just make us, you make us sweat a little bit. Uh, not for sexual reasons. Maybe some people for sexual reasons. I don't know what your predilections are, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're making us worried. It's like, no, nah, man, I just, I just, I paid like $500 for this suit. I'm going to get some wear out of it. I was like, all right. Now do you, man, <laughs> if you want to make management a little bit jumpy mm -hmm. you do that every once in a while every three or four months just show up in the suit but when someone goes ah oh, have an interview today in sort of an ironic way you just respond with no i had a dentist appointment And and you should actually start like dressing up for your dentist appointments. Oh so yeah. That, so that oh, it's yeah. not a lie, but it sounds like a lie. Oh, and it'll get them so nervous because because they'll you know, 
they'll think it's a lie and then they will very, very strongly believe that you were at an interview. Like the best way to, to guarantee your cover is blown, uh, is to come in dress nice and say you were at, I don't know, proctology appointment or something like (laughs) most of the time you go in in comfortable clothes to your doctor. You don't go in a three piece suit to your GP. So, so the question is, uh, I I think that there, there's a decent amount of social engineering that you could do to this to actually make it come out in your favor. Like it depends on what, what you feel will happen when, you know, when they, I don't know, get the idea that you were trying to interview. If they're trying to enter, if they think you're trying to interview and they're going to fire you for it or like shit on you for it, you know, maybe not so good. But if you think there's any chance of you getting a promotion or a raise or some other perks oh, yeah. uh, to keep you on, you you ride that train till the wheels fucking fall off. Like, I mean, it's especially effective it. right around the season for raises and everything else, just to, you know, keep them on their toes, put some, right. put some thoughts in there. The only Absolutely. problem, the only problem I can see, Derek, is uh-huh. that the dental hygienists are going to get pissed off because you're fucking it up for the rest of them <laughs> showing up in a goddamn <laughs> no. suit to your dentist appointment. No, I, I think it would be... Uh, by the same premise that we had earlier, I think it would be the other patients at the dentist office that would be mad because, you know, they're coming in their slouchy clothes and, you know, the dental hygienists expect you, and they see you in the suit, they expect everybody else to do the same. So, plus, I mean, it's, I think it's like a federal thing, or not federal, but I think it's like a, a regulatory thing. They got to wear the scrubs. So, like, what are they going to do? Wear, like scrubs that are colored like a suit or a fancy pants you know pants slacks and this is how you end up with an entire waiting room that looks like a banker's conference in britain (laughs) (laughs) see i'd just be worried that the the dental hygienist would think that you're trying to like put moves on them because you show up (laughs) just looking sharp as fuck tailored suit slick back hair new shoes um, new shoes Looking just just looking sharp as a tack, um, and they're going to be rooting around in your mouth for for the better part of an hour. Um, they may get suspicious. <laughs> they may call the law. <laughs> All right, Derek, uh, want to punch the clock? Yes, let us punch that clock. If you'd like to send us a question to answer on air, please send them to questions at wlicast.com. If you want to connect with us, you can go to WLICast.com, where you'll find all of our social media links, and also links to our store, Patreon, and other ways you can support the show. Speaking of support, there's nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth. And that means if you like the show, please tell other people about us. It will mean the world to us. So tell a friend, tell an enemy, or tell a frenemy. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm a sharp-dressed man. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Man, now I got ZZ Top stuck in my head. Exactly, yes! I thought about, like, I thought about doing a little karaoke, but I was like, no, nah, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> I get that stiff I get, pin. Yeah. Looking sharp, looking for love. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want any copyright claims on the YouTube videos for me being too perfect. 